At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. are listening to the radiator here at big heavy world and now begins rocket shop radio hour i'm your host abby bk and with us tonight we have jason baker jason how are you i'm doing great abby it's good to meet see you here yeah long time no see well we just saw each other yeah, at just, the lily pad yeah actually. literally at, um, shout out to the lily pad the newest open mic in town totally yeah and we were discussing off-air before we began the show that the last time you were here was in 2021. March of 2021, that's correct. Deep right. in the heart of the pandemic. Yes. And you've been very busy since then as we look at your discography on Spotify and, yep. and whatnot. So you've released numerous EPs. So take us through all that you have been up to since we've seen you last. Wow. Okay. So I did make a list. Yes. So folks know. We love um, that you made a list. So here's the thing. Okay. So at, in, tw in 2021, when I was here, I played um, pandemic album stuff. And the two pandemic albums I made were uh, The Lighthouse and then an album with my mentor, Rick Polari, who I do a radio show with, which is uh, broadcast now on Folk Music Notebook every month. Um called Folk Talk. And uh, so he and I had, had, have had some number of adventures since, uh, since that time. Um, but I also released a lot of solo material. So I released four four-song uh, EPs of original music, Liberty in 2021, The Dream of Peace in April 2022, I Have Come to Set You Free in October 2022, and then Sing a Song just this last September 2023. I also have released a five-song EP of traditional folk songs, called 10,000 Miles Away, and it features accompaniment on the long neck banjo. That was released in October, and I, and I you know, learned to play the long neck banjo. I'll get to that in a second. That's one of the things I did in the time. Uh, with Rick, I also formed the Folk Talk Trio uh, with him and Patty Shannon, a musician who uh, lives here locally but also plays out in California, is a very busy bass player and singer. Um, and... We released a live EP, Live at the Underground, the Underground being a studio down in Randolph. Uh, we released that in 2021, so that was released again right after the time I was here, and played a bunch of gigs, including we played Cafe Lena in Saratoga Springs for a family sing-along show this past uh, last spring. But uh, our individual schedules were just too much for all of us to put together a lot of dates, so we have disbanded at this time. We'll see about the future. Um, I also, during this time, attended songwriting retreats run by Dar Williams. They're called uh, Writing a Song That Matters. And I, I attended three or four times and began the practice of uh, really workshopping songs with other writers a lot heavier than I had been previously. And so that includes that group of people uh, who keep in touch online, uh, but also other, other groups that, again, during the pandemic, you got to find a lot more online community. So that was pretty cool. Unfortunately, the local Burlington Songwriters Group has not, it sort of stopped meeting because of COVID and really has not taken back up. But, um, but getting in touch with other communities has been, you know, including, including of course, the people from pe uh, Writing a Song That Matters retreats and the People's Music Network. Um, 
those retreats also gave me an opportunity to do something I hadn't done, which was co-writing songs with people. Only had really had one co-writer previous to that, and we never really worked at the same time. So this gave me a sort of safe and I, an environment with, with coaches and everything. So um, it ended up being a great experience and a lot better than I thought it would be. And those uh, songs, I ended up this past September, that was the EP, the theme of the EP that I released in September was a co mostly co-writes and, and those, and those, um, those retreats. During that time, from September to September of 2022 to 2023, I also participated in a year-long apprenticeship to learn the Pete Seeger style of banjo playing from Rick Polari, my mentor. And uh, we were supported by the Vermont Folk, by Vermont Folk Life's uh, Traditional Arts Apprenticeship Program. They gave us a small grant. And uh, he taught me to play this thing which I'm holding here, which is a long neck banjo, which was invented by Pete Seeger. Uh, and this also resulted in me as a sort of proof of concept, a graduation, if you will, uh, recording a five-song EP of traditional tunes uh, with one song being actually a traditional tune with original lyrics. And uh, I'll be playing that song tonight. And so there, that's a lot of stuff a that lot. happened <laughs> in, since I've been here. And uh, I've switched, one of the things is uh, you might notice is I switched from recording albums to releasing EPs. And that is on the advice, advice of a, a songwriting or, or artist coach, if you will, who uh, I got a free 15-minute consultation call, and we ended up hitting it off. Uh, I won't mention his name, but he's a wonderful guy if he's out there listening, and thank you for all the advice. He, we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. He was just, we're two old guys from Jersey, so it was just a fun talk. And he gave me some good advice. It was just saying, you know, you're writing a lot of good material, but no one's hearing it because you're burying... You're, it's on an album. No one's going to listen to it because you're, you're not known. <clears throat> and so getting to be uh, comfortable with, um, uh, A, not being known, <laughs> B, uh, workshopping songs and picking sort of the cream of the crop and, and, really, and leaving other things, you know, really thinking about what you want to put out there. And uh, that's become an, an more the, the keystone for me, looking for really great song ideas and saying things that I really feel I have to say for some reason or another. Yeah. Well, you've been mighty busy. So I would love to know more since you're obviously must be writing all the time. What does your typical songwriting process look like? Like how frequently do you feel like you're inspired and sitting down and writing something new? It's interesting. It's changed um, initially, so I, I only, this is a fascinating thing, I've only been writing songs since 2017, so that's uh, six, seven years, right? And I've only been playing since 20, and recording since 2018. So in a sense, uh, it's funny, because it's hard for me to be seen by most people as an emerging artist. But I'm really at the same place where a lot of people in their 20s are, in terms of my development. <clears throat> that said, um, I really dug in in 2017 to sort of force myself, I'm going to write songs or I'm going to fail miserably at it and then, and then admit failure and walk away. And it worked out. I wrote 100 songs that year and most of them were terrible. No, not most. Actually, <laughs> a fair amount of them were pretty good. But a good third of them were just like, meh. You know, but that, it was the learning experience of like doing it. So I actually would, you know, if you're starting out, I recommend people write a lot of songs. Just write as many as you possibly can. Until you get the mechanics down of, until you've got the mechanics down of uh, structure, 
rhyme scheme. In other words, until you don't have to think about that too much, you know, you don't let the editor take charge and question your lyrics. So then you can get flow. And for me, the flow was always, the difficulty in the flow was always in the lyrics. That was the part that I didn't, I couldn't, you know, I've played guitar since I was 14. I can make music up all day long, but lyrics and putting lyrics and music together are a different thing. Com composition is one thing, but co composing a song is a very easy sort of higher level task. And the poetry of it, I've always enjoyed good poetry, but I was always uh, stopping myself. It would, you know, I'm one of those people for the longest time writing was a torturous experience, including in school. I was the person that took forever to write stuff, just to write a page. And now I found that after writing so many songs, my writing has improved. Mm -hmm. And my ability to just get the, you know, to be clear in my communications has improved. Actually, it has improved other types of writing, which is cool. But yeah, it starts with words for me at this point, and uh, for the most part. And then, um, I, interesting, I will have music that's pop going through my head and that I've been doodling with. And, and then if it happens to be at the same time, I usually reason there must be a reason, and I will try and squish them together. And sometimes it works. So that's one of the, one process, um, but I, yeah, I I I sometimes uh, yeah I, I think it changes from uh, each time now. I'm now looking for more now instead of just jumping in and writing anything, I'm looking for the good idea, a real yeah. good idea for a song or something I really need to say, um, you know. And then, but you know, a hook is a hook. So if it pops out at you. Right. You got to go with the flow. That's the <laughs> that's the real thing. It's going with the flow is it was the hardest thing to learn for me. Mm. Yeah. And so you kind of alluded to the fact that you hadn't done a ton of co-writing before, mm -mm. but that was kind of a new thing that you were undertaking. And you said that you were surprised by you know how that went. So how do you feel like that has like been co-writing with other people, and how has that kind of made you view that process differently? Well, uh, the person who really taught me how to write songs is a fellow named Guy Henderson. He lives locally, and he's a musician. He is extremely talented, and I started co-writing with him, but it was essentially back and forth. You know, uh, here, uh, you know, here's some lyrics, here's some music, here's some, you know, and we would, it wasn't really in real time doing it in, occasionally we would do some brainstorming for ideas that way. We would create a list of brainstorming, but we, actual choosing words and music to go here, you know, that was done on an individual level. And so I was, you know, I'd heard about co-writing, you hear about it from the Nashville folks all the time and how you got to be a good hang and you got to do all this stuff and stuff and there's all this, and I just was like, man, I'm an awkward, so I'm a socially awkward person. This is, I can't see how this would work. What, could it end up in fighting? Like, who? Oh. And then I ended, and then I did it. And I think the first one was just a guy had some lyrics and he wanted me to put it to blues music and I did it and that was fun. And I, it wasn't hard, but it was still similar to the first style. But the second time it was with a real writer and we, neither one of us, I was like, we need an idea. And I said, well, I've got this idea that's kicking around. It's just the phrase, uh, uh, late bloomers. And she wrote the most amazing set of lyrics. I knew I, I, do, I did get some input and have to add, you know, there were some tweaks that I put in. Um, but for the most part, it was her lyrics. She was a real writer, though. That's the thing, is someone who comes from a writing background, poetry and, and essays and things like that. And uh, you could tell, like, you know, 
But then the real, so that was great. But then there was like, well, how do we put it to music? And we sat down and we worked it out together. And it's this, and it's absolutely intricate and elaborate and beautiful sort of um, song. And it, and I was just stunned by how easy it was to get along with this person to in a in a environment where you're questioning where does this go, and we would say no, and we would both kind of like no, you're right, okay, and we would how about this? We would try things, and we would I would see where should this well we should go up here, well, what chord will go with that note, and it it was surprising how well it worked out. I was just shocked at how, and the, the same thing was true of the other, uh, the, you know, I worked with three different women, actually. It was interesting. The, the song, three of the, the three songs that I chose for the co that were co-writes were all uh, women co-writers. They all handled the lyric responsibility for the most part. And we worked together on the music. Although I had, yeah, again, I had input in every case. Um, I actually, yeah, I wrote the end verse of one of the songs. and But it was all um, a lot it was like it was like you were afraid of something, and then you realize, oh, this isn't bad at all. <laughs> it's right. not that hot, you know. The water's not that, or the water's not that cold, or whatever it is. You know, you you just you're dreading something, and then you realize that was actually a really positive thing. I shouldn't. I should have done this a long time ago. Yeah, it can seem intimidating in the beginning, but it seems like you got a lot out of it, which is great. Well, I want, and I that's why I released a, an EP of it because. Um, even though the songs could, you know, they could be workshopped to death or whatever, they they did have, you know, the eyes of co songwriting coaches on them already, and they, I think that they reflected things I want against things that needed saying about it, and a lot of it is about songwriters. Uh, Late bloomers is about people like me who are uh, emerging artists in your fifties or sixties, even. I mean. People forget that, you know, Malvina Reynolds, who wrote uh, Little Boxes, one of the greatest songs of the 20th century, she didn't go attend any songwriting classes until she was in her 40s or 50s. Um, and then so, you know, uh, that's one of the songs. The other song is just called Sing a Song, and it was about, uh, it was a wonderful narrative that the co-writer came up with. And it's all about, uh, there was a common theme among the songwriters at the retreat of music being a healing factor in their life after trauma or depression or other, you know, and basically uh, other hurtful things have happened to people. Uh, everybody had something, you know, and and there was a lot of people at these retreats who were like, being in music is the thing that makes me happy. So that was a cool thing to, uh, to uh, honor. And then the other song that was on there is actually, uh, unfortunately, one of the songwriting coaches from the song, writing a song that matters retreats uh, passed away last January. And so I wrote a song for him and I put that on there as well. So the whole, the whole EP is dedicated to writing a song that matters retreats and the whole co-writing experience and the song coaches and everything. It's a really, I felt it was good to honor that. And, uh, I'm just sad, like like this past year, I couldn't afford to go, <laughs> so I want to. So I'm dying to get more gigs and go and save us some money and go uh, go hang out with Dar and her coaches and all the fun people there. Um, but it is cool because you can still meet, you know, chat with everybody and talk online. Yeah, I love it. Well, we would love to hear your first song. So what have you got? Well, uh, since I've been since it's been so long since I've been here, I got some catching up to do, and I have five EPs, so I can't do them all. <laughs> Yeah, you have almost too much material to well, choose from. Know, what a problem. It's still, yeah, this this still the same too much material problem. <laughs> so I'm going to do a song from the uh, Liberty EP. And you might have, and it was actually released in, tw released, uh, well, 2021, but you might have thought it was written right in 2021, but it was actually written before January 6th.
off the show with his first song so obviously what's that I gave you a oh you gave me bob is over here saying that he gave me a question let's read my texts oh this is what happens at the peanut gallery behind the behind the the mic well we need to answer bob's question because it's a burning question from over there to the right what is the difference between a normal banjo and the long neck banjo? All right. Great question. So uh, uh, Pete Seeger started, pl- learned the first banjo he learned on was the long, what would you consider a longer neck banjo, but a four-string banjo called a plectrum banjo. And that's commonly played in Dixieland music, jazz bands. Uh, the five-string banjo he learned when he went to a folk festival with his father. And he picked it up and uh, was just in love with it. But he wanted to play in different keys. And he wanted to play a lot of different types of music than just old-time music. He learned old-time music, obviously. And he modified the old-time uh, stroke, which, uh, you know, you can see the kind of way that I was playing. It was the mix of finger-picking and st- strumming, a little sort of uh, uh, up-picking, it's called. And uh, he, he, he used that. But he wanted to play in different keys, and at one point, he just, I think it was specifically for a song about the uh, Spanish uh, brigade fighting fascists, etc., he wanted to do this song in F. And so he took his banjo to his luthier 
in New York and said, cut the headstock off of this and then cut three frets off the neck of another banjo and just stick it on. And so now, he, with a capo, he can go up and down from E to G to all the way up to A. In other words, he expanded the range of the banjo itself, and that's the main reason for it, uh, is to allow you to sing in different keys. And it's really much more of a, a folk singer's banjo in that regard than a bluegrass banjo. Like, interestingly, the bluegrass banjo was invented with the resonator. That came about about the same time. The bluegrass style of playing three-finger three, three, you know, three finger rolls was invented in 1946. And Pete Seeger invented the uh, long neck probably only a few years later. So, uh, but he was primarily an old-time player, though, before that. Not a bluegrass, although he, he could do anything. That was the... That was the thing I learned. The main thing I learned in the year of that is that Pete Seeger would use any style of banjo playing to get the song across, and uh, you it, many times in the same song. And so that was actually the most eye-opening thing. Is you, you just do. He might and start with very light finger picking. He might end up doing uh, frailing or what's called claw hammer, and then he might end up just what's called whamming, which is pretty much strumming it like it's a twelve string or something, um, which is the other instrument he mainly played. But yeah, that's the difference, and I, it's called it's considered America's third banjo because it's not like a even because they don't really consider the uh, the plectrum banjo and the tenor banjo uh, as being American banjo. You know, the five string is where it's at. Um, so there's okay. the answer there, and it's a it it is and it again it is not you can do any of the other things, but it's not accepted in bluegrass circles to play a long neck banjo in a bluegrass band typically. Oh, Although yeah. there is a great bluegrass band in Vermont that does have a long neck player, uh, and their name is Remember Baker, which I love because <laughs> I'm from Jersey, and the, and the guy who is named after was one of Ethan Allen, that's a, a name, actually, it's one of Ethan Allen's buddies who was also known by the name Jersey Slick. There you go. And originally coming from Jersey. I, you I, liked that. I like that for some reason. <laughs> I just like the idea of somebody being called Jersey Slick for one thing. Totally. That's a great name, so. So in terms of the themes of your songs, obviously you write a lot of political music. Do you feel like that type of music is kind of what you're leaning into for the new projects that you're working on as well, since it's, you know, been an ongoing theme? Well, it's just what I, it is my brand, yeah. if you will. I do write other songs. And, you know, I have these things in my back pocket as ideas for EPs. And it's kind of hard. So this year I, I went with the idea of stepping away from strictly political songs, although there's still in, it's still in there, uh, you know, with my latest EP. It's still, um, I, I managed, you'll see that the last song, I managed to squeak it in. There's still the diatribe, political diatribes are not going away, the misanthropic screeds are not going away. Um, but I do write, try and, I have tried to write more positive material, um, more fanciful material, um, but it is kind of the topical songwriting is kind of what I do. And so yeah, I am going to, the reason to learn the banjo was to, was, you know, to incorporate that in what I do, uh, because people already, from the very beginning, when I started writing, I just thought I was like modern singer songwriter, but then people, the reviews were all like in the tradition of Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger. And it sounds like Leonard Cohen. His voice sounds like, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember that guy's name, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, you know, the, well, Canadian guys with deep voices or whatever, any, you know, um, and that, you know, but it was all older artists, all folk artists, and, and then other people in person would be like, your stuff sounds like it's 100 years old, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and they meant it as, sometimes they meant it as a compliment, and sometimes not, but I did remember something Bob Dylan said, which is, this guys are doing stuff 100 years ago, 
That's the cool stuff. Now, for him, that was the 1860s. Now it would be the 1920s. And I think, honestly, that's, it is what a lot of the stuff I do sounds like. I do a lot of blues and jazz-influenced material. That's true. Yeah. So what is, like, the, the next, the most recent next <laughs> project that you're working on? Is it one of the more, like, folksy ones? Oh, com- coming playable? up? Yeah. So I, I think I, I, I feel the need to, uh, these songs that I'm feeling burning need to get out there. And as topical songs, you do have to get them out there before their shelf life is completely. Right. So there are some songs, and I have question marks next to a couple of them. So that's what I feel I want to do next. But as I said, I have these other ideas in the back pocket. I have a whole... I have a whole idea for a, a, a album of uh, an EP of, sing, of songs about the sea, maritime, just songs with sea in the title, basically, but maritime folk music. Um, I have a, I have a thing of jazzy love songs. Um, that's you know again a, a thought, but I'm not sure that's where I want to go because I'm not sure that nah, I'm not sure anyone's interested. I know I have a burning desire for some of you know when when the song you're always in love with songwriters are always in love with their latest stuff and that's a problem. You have, that's one of the things I also learned about, like, not to just, you can write a lot of stuff and you, you can be in love with it, but take your time, get some advice, get some feedback, make changes if you want, um, and don't be in a hurry to, uh, don't be in a hurry to throw it out there because you may be like, oh, well, I want, you know, you may make a mistake, you may put, you know, something that was sub, subpar out there, you don't really want to do that, but you mainly want good ideas and, uh, and and have it match the music in a good, in a nice way. So that's that's the goal. Right. But I'm yeah. So I'm I'm part of this is incorporating the banjo into what I'm doing, and kind of naturally I wrote some songs on the banjo, and not surprisingly they came out as somewhat you know uh, political in nature because of things that are going on. There was a song about the Middle East. Uh, there was a song about. Um, Soldiers being about you know uh, immigrant, immigrant people who are immigrants who became soldiers who were then deported, like that's there's something that doesn't need to happen and it's a story I wanted you know it's a story that's tragic and if anybody just looks at it you could see that something's wrong, um, but yeah it's a, a try, that's I'm re- I'm, reach, I'm looking at reaching that goal of incorporating the banjo into the music um, not all the songs will be banjo but. It's looking like a lot of them will be because <laughs> yeah. I just I enjoy I've been enjoying playing the banjo a lot. I must admit. Well, you have to flex your new skills too. So it's it's a really fun. <laughs> it's it's and you know this banjo I have is a very inexpensive instrument. I just want to point out that most of the banjo most long neck banjos are fairly expensive, but Gold Tone has just released this uh, carbon fiber banjo. It's under three hundred bucks. I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, my mentor just took his on tour to Australia and back. In Europe. It's been in Europe, and, and he, he swears by it. It's got a great sound for a, such an inexpensive instrument. So, like, real kudos to Gold Tone. Uh, Wayne Rogers, the guy who's, uh, and his wife, um, they run the business. Really great thing. I'm so excited about it, actually, that I can, I can hardly contain myself. I, I know I just talk about it. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. Well, we would love to hear uh, another song from you. So, what do you have next for us? Well, uh, plug in hmm? oh. right. Might want to actually plug it in. That's helpful. Yeah, I do uh, without Bob. Plug in the guitar in is a good idea, guys. All right. Yep. So, yeah, in 2022. We had uh, a lot of, that's the thing, a lot of the stuff that goes on, it's hard to ignore. So that's why I write songs about it. 
Plus, I don't think anyone's really interested in my love life that much. Although, just to know, if you're really interested, the songs are there, but you got to look for them. So, <laughs> this is not about my love life. Uh, and so, um, in 2022, uh, the uh, the Russian nation invaded Ukraine, and uh, in the opening days of the war, there was a. Uh, an airplane that was destroyed at the Kiev airport. It was the largest airplane in the world, the Antonov An-225. And it had started its life hauling Soviet space shuttles. But the last 20 years of its life or more, it had been doing humanitarian missions. And so it would fly huge generators where the power needed, huge supplies of food and medicine where there, were, where there was a crisis. So people would see it and they would have hope. And um, I thought it was a shame that it was destroyed. Its name was, the, it was named the Maria, which means dream in uh, Ukrainian. And actually, um, one of the, an avi uh, Vance Gilbert, who is a folk singer, he does a live stream and he, you know, is an aviation enthusiast as well. And he was holding up a picture of it and lamenting the destruction of this beautiful plane. And, uh, and it's humanitarian, talked about its humanitarian mission. And he just, it's not called the dream of peace, but he just said, he held up the picture and he said the dream of peace. And I just thought, oh, as an astute songwriter, I said, that's, so that's the thing. You've got to look for those little things right. that pop up. So this is, a, this is a song that was inspired by that. Uh, this is called The Dream of Peace. Well, once there was a dream of peace It flew around the world dreamed itself in every heart and there a flag unfurled a humble rag proclaiming love and peace for humankind from heart to heart the dream flew on and left something behind the dream of a world Sunflowers bloom If we dream a dream of peace We can make that dream come true The dream of peace, it flew away Escaping the drums of war It left a grain in every heart Waiting for a door is let to shine the seeds of peace will grow sunflowers live in every heart where love is free to flow the dream of a world where sunflowers bloom if we dream a dream of peace we can make that dream come true a dream of a world where sunflowers bloom If we dream a dream of peace We can make that dream come true We can make that dream come true Dream of Peace by Jason Baker. Thanks so much. 
So one other thing that I wanted to ask about was gigging. So I know that you had said, I believe it might have been off air about how the past year you weren't playing as many gigs and how one of your goals for this upcoming year is to really start gigging again. So tell us some more about what that goal would be. Who? Uh, I just, uh, you know, 2022 had a fair amount of gigging going on it, but um, it, 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 com coming out of the pandemic, it's still not, you know, up to things. I think the main goal for me uh, is just to uh, be seen and heard, um, you know, just, you know, to get out, just to be seen and heard. The point of this, I, uh, me performing at all, is simply uh, to highlight the songs. I consider myself primarily a songwriter first, uh, a performer and you know, a musician and performer second. And the, those, that's interesting to me. Uh, the performing is interesting to me, and learning how to do it has been fascinating. Um, learning all the other things that you have to learn that you don't want to learn. It's also been fascinating. All the, how to do social media, how to do this, how to, um, how to edit videos, how to take pictures, like things that have nothing to do with writing a song. So that's was, you know, it's a difficult choice for me to uh, initially to like even, like should I even like spend my time doing this? It's a little, you know, cause it, it, it does, I do get royalties and gig money. But it's at best break even. It was it was going break even before the pandemic. I'll just say that. But now it's not. It's an expenditure. Um, it's right off. But you know, hey, it is what it is. It is a business. Um, but that's been you know, uh, my goal would be to to simply get out there and uh, and be heard, and actually to be. I think I think I want to be understood as an emerging that I'm as an emerging artist even at my age. I think I want people to like sort of maybe be able to become the poster child of old people trying to you know reinvent themselves and stuff. This was my you know this is my midlife crisis, okay? I started writing songs and it really was a good thing for me emotionally, mentally, um, even physically, even keeping my you know the discipline of of that sort of thing or the discipline of being ready for gigs. You, you can't indulge in very in, in drinking or in drugs and food even like you have to be careful you have to be careful what you eat <laughs> i've learned you know you learn that the hard way like you don't want to you don't want to belly ache the day of your gig you know you don't want to you know have to be canceling uh stuff so you start to learn uh doing these things starts to give you a, a, uh, a focus so that's good um, but yeah, for me, it's all about, I want to, I want my songwriting to get out there. And I hope, I certainly hope that somewhere out there, there's some, uh, bunch of punk, punk band or something and somebody terrible too. I want somebody who's awful to cover my music, like, <laughs> and so that they can get good because then they can take, play the song a thousand times and then eventually, because that's how you get good. You get good by doing things. Um, even if you're, you know, that are new and different. So I really want, I would love it if somebody looked at my, especially if they looked at my old, like my first album was a ridiculous thing. It was 22 songs. It, it, absolutely ridiculous. No one's going to listen to that. But I've had people who tell me they did. And, you know, other songwriters who said, oh, you know, like a, a similar interview. The guy actually listened to my first album. And I'm like, you actually listened to it? Like the whole thing? And he said, <laughs> yeah, it was a great album. He loved it. Uh, I think it would have been much better if I had cut 12 songs, perhaps. Because <laughs> then I would have had the cream of the crop. And I think that's, so that's, the, next, that's the next thing, is to, uh, to really uh, uh, make sure uh, that the songs that I'm presenting are the best of what I've got. And to definitely not uh, love everything that comes out. 
of my pen, you know. Not everything that you write, that's the biggest advice I give that I've learned is not every, is to write as much as possible and don't be precious about your songwriting, especially if someone points out something that's distracting to them or is odd. Uh, take it to heart. Um, so. Right. Always new lessons to learn, for sure. There's no, well, the, the funny thing is there's no uh, limit to where inspiration can come from for a song. Yeah, totally. It's just literally any two words in this room, you know. Well, per, uh, there you go, uh, green ball. Uh, all right, what's a green ball? Uh, you know, and you just go from there. And that's, uh, again, that was the hardest thing to learn, flow. Yeah, well, there's certainly enough objects in this room to choose from. Oh, yeah, it's very bright and colorful <laughs> in this room for any for folks listening uh, it's audio like I only. Spy. <laughs> yeah, you can you can I spy any number of colors and shapes in this room and and yeah, but that anything can inspire a song. I was driving for work and I saw I saw a bus. It was an old blue an old school bus painted blue, light blue and it was in the back of this overgrown field. And I looked at it and I just something struck me about it because I'm like, how did it get back there? It's all overgrown, <laughs> and but it was clearly a hippie bus thing, mm -hmm. and it was but it was dilapidated and, and I just. And what was weird is I, I was this is weird, I was driving somewhere else for work, just a few days later, and I saw another one. That was what made me do this. It was a sign. I saw it. It was definitely not the same one in another field, another blue bus, and I'm like, okay, something's telling me to write about a blue bus. So I wrote a song. I don't know what the song means. It's not necessary. It's no political content of it, so I don't know what it means. But it's really a... I can barely play it. It's so emotional, and I don't know why. So yeah. you never know where the thing is coming from. You never know where it's going to go. You got, and um, That's actually something I learned from Dar, Dar Williams, mm. is you got to let the song tell you what it wants. You know, you got to tell you a bit about what it's doing. Just kind of let, you know, go with it and see what it, where it leads you. Where did you really go? Right. So I don't... I, I've write, I must admit, I write some songs, and if they're more personal, emotional stuff, uh, or about personal liberation or whatever, I frequently don't recognize what I've written until I've recorded it and put it out. Mm -hmm. So uh, the songs I've written in this interim since I've been here, Liberty uh, and uh, um, I Have Come to Set You Free, turns out they're about me, not about someone else. You know, and they're about, they're about my relationships, and it turns out you know. So, it, and it, but I didn't know it until I finished the song and put it out. I oh, I played them live before I was like oh, oh that's about me. Epiphany moments. Duh. Well, it's kind of <laughs> duh. Like oh, yeah. Why was I I you know because the song has double meanings, but you can interpret it different ways. But how did I not know? <laughs> Trapped in your psyche, I suppose. It is yeah. Well. And that proof that that happens, that, you know, you don't necessarily, that if you let it flow, that you don't necessarily aren't in control of the message that you have now sent. I kind of wish I had, was in more, you know, that's why the editing, so that's, right. but it is kind of cool to like realize I did a song that's good on its own, even the way I interpreted it, but you could also look at it this way. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's actually a nice feeling, I think. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear your next song. So what will so, be your third one tonight? Well, in uh, the Dream of Peace was a much was a really positive, upbeat album. It was released in the spring. <clears throat> so naturally, in the fall of 2022, I released this album of real downers. Um, no kidding. Um, it was just very, I don't know why it was, but these songs really struck me as being important to say. So this one um, was actually a, uh, I, I, it was a runner-up. Uh, 
in the Songs for Social Change 2022 contest run by the Renaissance Artists and Writers Association. And that's the second time I've been a runner-up for that contest. I just want to know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Anyway, this song uh, is a bit serious, so a little trigger warning for anyone listening or watching uh, about um, violent imagery in the song. But uh, it, g given what was going on all throughout 2022, just give me a moment. Clear my throat there, and I didn't want to do it in the mic. <laughs> A little bit of harmonica in this. Bring that. Sorry, bring that up. This is called "It Doesn't Go Away." child turns to her mom asking where they're going mom walks quickly with two kids says i have no way of knowing she holds both of their hands and urges them to hurry hurry she cannot hide her fear face a mask of worry and that's when artillery comes whistling down and there three bodies lie still on the ground it doesn't go away because you look away speak out loud the names of those who die today it doesn't mean a thing when you just think or pray it doesn't go away because you look away a child gives a kiss to dad i love you see you later having fun learning maps and finding the equator but a stranger comes into the school carrying a gun Gone. And in one screaming second that no one could outrun, that's when the children all fall down. And there they are in pieces and blood on the ground. And it doesn't go away because you look away. Speak out loud the names of those who died. Day. It doesn't mean a thing when you just think or pray It doesn't go away because you look away Bullets fly, a child dies a Mother cries or lies beside Don't be surprised what this implies let the scales fall from your eyes It doesn't go away Because you look away Speak out loud the names of those who died today It doesn't mean a thing when you just think or pray It doesn't go away Because you look away It doesn't go away 
Because you look away It doesn't go away Jason Baker there. Well, we are coming to the end of the show, but before we do, please tell everyone how we can support you, promote yourself, and share your upcoming gigs with everyone. All right. Where did I put that home? Well, uh, you can find all my stuff online first at uh, jbakervt.com or uh, at Reverb Nation or at anywhere you stream music, honestly. I, uh, we have good distribution, so if you... Uh, want to hear my stuff, go ahead and stream it. I don't print CDs anymore. I will not. They're an environmental nightmare, and I don't care to. But if folks want to help me out, they can stream stuff. They can down buy, download, and they can mostly share. I think that's the most important thing for me this year is, to, is for people to sh learn, learn about my music and share it with others if they like it. So that would be the first thing. Um, I, am, I do have some engagements coming up. Uh, on February 6th, I'll be at the Venetian Soda Lounge for the Songwriters Contest. Uh, and I hope folks can come out and support all of us, but give me a little special cheer. Thank you. Uh, on March 1st, I'm doing a show with Andriana Shabbat and Dylan Ward at Despacito uh, on the 21st of April. Uh, that weekend is going to be the New England Folk Festival in Marlboro, Massachusetts. On the and So that's uh, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. On the 21st, I'll be leading a hootenanny sing-along and long neck ban doing a long neck banjo workshop in the afternoon. And uh, I'm planning on also attending a, an industry conference called the Southeast Regional Folk Alliance Conference, and hopefully I'll get some uh, showcase opportunities there. That'll be in May. Uh, so anybody who's down in Listen, it was listening online from North Carolina. It's in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and that's actually a cool thing for, it's totally cool, even though it's an industry conference, it's totally cool for fans to come, buy uh, a pass, and come and see all this great music that happens, uh, all these jams and things that happen. Uh, and then uh, May 18th, I'm going to be at Harry's Hardware in Cabot, which I don't know if you've ever played there. It is quite a treat to play next to feed bags and stuff. It is, it is a... Uh, it is a really great, it is New England's only bar in a hardware store, mm. and uh, but it is also an excellent, they, they stick with Vermont-only uh, beverages, and they have some pretty cool flatbread pizzas, and uh, yeah, it's also a hardware store, so it's kind of cool. I had a gig there with Folk Talk Trio, and, the, and Rick's banjo broke, and I was able to go into the back and grab a, a wing nut and fix his banjo. So. Wow, I love that. <laughs> well, you have time for one final song, so what are you playing us out with? Let me get this plugged in. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I released, after doing this um, year-long thing with Rick, I released a, uh, an album of uh, traditional songs, but I did take one of those traditional songs, I did an extra song, and uh, I wanted to do my thing, you know. And since it's in the spirit of Woody Guthrie and that sort of thing, Woody stole a lot of lyric, a lot of melodies and repurposed them. My favorite was that he, he wrote a song about Jesus Christ, and he used the he, he wrote it was called Jesus Christ, and he used the melody from the uh, Jesse James. Well, this is a song. The original song is a Western song about remembrance, and I wanted to remember this person who died in August of this year because she was flying a rainbow flag outside of her store. This is in California. And her name is Lori Carlton. And I want people to remember her name, because everyone said, just called her that lady who got shot, because flying a rainbow flag. And I said, no, she has a name. 
Her name is Lori Carlton. Let's, so, this is called Ally, and then subtitled The Ballad of Lori Carlton. for coming in tonight. Thank you, Abby. It's been a pleasure speaking with you this evening and playing for you. Well, you'll have to come back once you release all of these new songs, and I'm sure you'll have a bunch of new ones by the next time you're in here. <laughs> That's my hope. Yes. I keep on writing. Yeah, well, thank you for coming, and listeners, thanks for tuning in. This has been Rocket Shop Radio Hour. I'm your host, Abby BK. Next week, we have Remy Russin, so be sure to tune in. But this has been Rocket Shop. I hope you have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Woo-hoo-hoo. Well...